0: morning church I'll go ahead and apologize now for my voice I've been fighting a sinus infection all week you know that song I fought the law and the law won (laughs) I fought the sinus infection and there's days I'm not sure who's winning but I think I'm on the upward swing but I apologize for my voice if it seems like at points I might be yelling at you maybe I am Let me begin with a couple of Terry Rush quotes from his book, The Holy Spirit Makes No Earthly Sense. If it's more important to you to preserve the church to the standards of the 50s, then you're very likely not open to the spirit. You have your own selfish ambition. If it's an issue with you that the posture of the church be similar to the past, then it's dangerously possible that you'll tell the Spirit what He can and cannot do. It's not sound doctrine to quench the Spirit. It's a violation of Scripture. He goes on, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate of controversy. He so completely makes no earthly sense, thus the title of His book, that He baffles the complex mind. If man could control Him, package Him, measure him or reduce him to statistics on a three-by-five card, we would feel a whole lot better about this matter. We are in a study called GIFTED. We're now seven lessons in on the downward side, probably several more. Uh, We could go for a while, but um, probably just several more lessons. And our foundational verse has been Acts 2. Peter replied to the entire crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And I've said almost every week, that's what I grew up with, and we knew that very well. I'll come back to that in a minute. But that next sentence has always, as Terry Rush would say, baffles us. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't have to be our foundational verse. We're learning other verses about the Holy Spirit. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. That could be a good verse. Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That could be a good foundational verse. 2 Corinthians 1, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So there's, there's lots of verses. We started out lesson one that Scripture is filled, filled, saturated. There's so many Scriptures on the Holy Spirit. But let's, uh, let's continue with our study. And to continue with our study, I really think I need to lay some foundation with a couple more quotes This is from John MacArthur's book, Strange Fire. We've used this before, but I want to remind you. We cannot be reminded too often that the Holy Spirit's primary role is to exalt Christ, especially to elicit praise for Christ from His people. And so I've said God doesn't gift us with His Spirit to bring attention to us. If it's bringing attention to you, then I would question whether that's the Holy Spirit Because the Holy Spirit's primary concern is to bring attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells believers, empowering us to serve and to glorify Christ. He goes on. There's nothing baffling, bizarre, or irrational about being spirit-filled or spirit-led. His work's not to produce a spectacle or to foment chaos. In fact, where you see those things, you can be certain it's not His doing. Let me give you one more from Francis Chan. When it comes down to it, many of us do do not really want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Or, more fundamentally, many of us don't want to be led by anyone other than ourselves. The truth is that the Spirit of the living God is guaranteed to ask you to go somewhere or do something you wouldn't normally want or choose to do. The Holy Spirit of God will mold you into the person you were made to be. Now, I I, want to remind you, the Holy Spirit will call you to do things. But the Holy Spirit will empower you to accomplish things. And we're going to see that in the lesson today. And the thing that He wants to accomplish in us is to use our voice to speak. So again, if you grew up in the Churches of Christ and you you know... If you grew up in the Restoration Movement, you know Acts 2. You were probably bathed in Acts 2. Your parents probably put Acts 2 in the water when they bathed you. We know Acts 2. We're familiar with Acts 2. We can quote, repent and be baptized all day long. But um, again, we really don't know much about the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I want to remind you of the scene from Acts 2... To remind you of the scene from Acts 2, I need to go to Acts 1. Before I get to Acts 1, I need to go to Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go. We seem to think that was the first command of Jesus, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're all about the baptizing part. Churches Christ are kind of notorious for just pulling a few things out that fit our theology. Hmm. But before the commandment to go, there was another commandment. On one occasion, Jesus gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Don't go. Wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the first command wasn't necessarily to go. The first command was to wait. So let's keep reading in Acts 1 and verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We've done a study of the book of Acts. I know you remember that word power is dunamis, dynamite. You will receive dynamite. We have dynamite within us. God empowers us with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why are they receiving power? So they can be witnesses. Why are they receiving power? So that they can testify. So, then we get to the book of Acts. That's what they did. They waited. They waited for the Holy Spirit. They waited for the power. They waited for the Holy uh, Spirit to, to come. And then we get to Acts 2. And here's the scene of Acts 2. Acts 2, we have people of God gathered from all over, from every nation all over the world. Why? Because it's a major festival. And when there was a major festival, everybody comes to Jerusalem. They pack their bags, they pack their family, they pack their food, and they all come to Jerusalem. It's the festival of Pentecost. It's 50 days after the resurrection. And they're celebrating the first fruits of the harvest season. Not only are they celebrating the first fruits, they're celebrating not, not just what God has already done with the first fruits, but what God is about to do. And little do they know what God is about to do at this festival. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus said would happen. Just, just wait. Just wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the power. And they began to speak. That's all I want you to focus on today. They began to speak. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here's what's going on. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And if you read in Acts 2, it lists all the nations that, that were there. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking... We could stop right there. In their own language, utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans... Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit enables, and the Holy Spirit enables them to speak in tongues, to speak in languages, to speak in languages they probably had never studied. But more importantly, the Holy Spirit enables them to communicate to everybody there today. There wasn't anybody who would have said, I don't understand what they're saying. I don't understand that language. Every language on the globe, and they all understand. And as much as we want to focus on, perhaps, how? How did that happen? How did the Holy Spirit do that? I want to focus today on what they were saying. Because you got people from every nation in Jerusalem and they show up and they're communicating to them we hear them declaring it wasn't so much how are they doing that that was a question we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues we hear them speaking The wonders of God. We hear them speaking the great things of God. We hear them speaking the awe-inspiring things of God. More importantly, as you read through Acts 2, and as you read through the book of Acts, what God has accomplished through Jesus. That's what the preaching was. Acts 2, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, that's what they were speaking was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs? Because that's what they were telling them, the wonders of God. Which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. <clears throat> and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. So Jesus said, wait. Just wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the power. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And the moment, the moment that God feels fills their lungs with His breath, with His Spirit, they begin to use their words and their speech for His glory. Because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each of us. So if you don't hear anything today, I firmly believe, I 100% will never hesitate to say that God still empowers us, and God still wants to use our voices, and God still wants to use our speech. So as soon as the Holy Spirit comes on them, they begin to speak. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. He empowers you to speak. Okay? Now, I believe the Holy Spirit still still does that today. Let me illustrate. So we keep reading in Acts 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, hmm. I wonder how he was able to speak because he was gifted with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed and know this, you and all the people of Israel, we're going to declare Jesus when they're speaking in the book of Acts, they're declaring Jesus. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, enabled by the Holy Spirit. And then they called Peter and John back in. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking. Mm. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. You can't stop us from speaking. You can't stop the Holy Spirit from speaking about Jesus. You might be in power. You might control the media. You might control politics. You might control the government. But you can't stop the Holy Spirit from speaking. We're not controlled. By any of those things I just listed, we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Our allegiance is not to anybody here on this earth. Our allegiance is not to the Republican Party. Our allegiance is not to the Democratic Party. Our allegiance is not to government. Our allegiance is not to any platform. Our allegiance is not to Caesar. Our allegiance is to God, and we cannot help but speak about Jesus because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, I could never do that. That's not me, it's not my gift. Surely, God wants somebody else speaking. So, check out Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You want to know the word for ordinary? It's idiotase. It's not a derogatory word. It's a descriptive word. They were unlearned as opposed to learn. They were uneducated as opposed to educated. They were rude in speech as opposed to eloquent. They were unskilled and lacking education. They were unrefined, unlearned, untrained, common and plain men. That pretty much describes everybody in this room. You say, well, I can't do that. And yet, that's how Paul described himself. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence. Or superior wisdom as I proclaim the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. What was he speaking except Jesus Christ and him crucified? 2 Corinthians 11. I may not be a trained speaker. I may be an idiotase. Same word. I may be unskilled. Unlearned. Common. Ordinary. You say I couldn't do that. We're talking about the apostle Paul who was inspired to write half the New Testament, who traveled on three or four missionary journeys, going everywhere speaking, and he says, I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just a plain, unlearned, common, ordinary guy. How could they stand before these people? How could they speak? Because they were gifted with the Holy Spirit, just like every Christ follower. Listen, folks, it's... It's not about you, it's about the Holy Spirit. It's it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And God will empower you. God will give you the words to say. We keep reading. Stephen was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Read through Acts, and you'll see what the Holy Spirit does in ordinary people. Acts 7. It's funny how I keep coming back to this verse. As he's preaching to these people, he says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit, which tells me if you're resisting the Holy Spirit, you're a stiff-necked person. Well, they didn't like that very much. They didn't like his sermon. He was gifted. He was empowered. And here's how they responded. When they heard this, they were, fur- were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and they stoned him. Killed him. But Stephen, as he's dying, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen was gifted to his death. He was empowered to his death. But I want you to notice something else. We're, We're not the only ones who are called to speak. We're not the only ones called to witness. We're not the only ones declaring the wonders of God. Check this out. The psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Isn't that interesting? Creation doesn't even have lungs. Creation doesn't have a mouth. Creation doesn't have the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And creation speaks. Creation is declaring, How much more should we, with voices, with lungs... Filled and gifted with the Holy Spirit. How much more should we be speaking about the wonders of God through Jesus? So let's go back to Acts. Peter and John, they're arrested. And after they let them go, they went back to their own people and they prayed to God. Look at what they prayed for. Sovereign Lord, consider the threats of these people and enable your servants to speak. Wow. Wow. You're not praying for protection. You're praying for power. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know why? Because that's what they prayed for. And God answered their prayer. And He shakes the place. And he fills them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers them to speak. You know why they didn't think twice about being witnesses? Because they were empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowered them with courage. The Holy Spirit empowered them with boldness. And they were willing to stand before anybody. Just like the Holy Spirit still wants to do today. Remember that quote when we started the sermon? The Holy Spirit will ask you to go, and will call you to do, and you're like, yeah, I don't like that part of the Holy Spirit. That's called quenching the Holy Spirit. That's called resisting the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's what Jesus told his followers. Jesus said, on account of me, you'll stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and... Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, don't worry beforehand about what to say. Just say what's given you at the time because it's not you speaking, it's the Holy Spirit. Listen, don't worry about what the words are because the Holy Spirit will be speaking through you. Listen, folks, we can all be praying for God to use us. We can all be praying that God gives us opportunities. We can all be praying for God to give us boldness and courage to speak. And you never know. You just never know what conversation you might have that can change somebody's life for Jesus. I don't know if you've heard about a gentleman named R.C. Sproul... He was an American Reformed theologian and ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church. He was founder and chairman of Legionnaire Ministries. He's been described as the greatest and most influential proponent of the recovery of Reformed theology in the last century. Here's how he describes his conversion. I'd actually gone to a church-related college, but I went on a football scholarship, not because of any interest in the church. And at the end of my first week, which had been spent in freshman orientation, my roommate and I decided to head out to town to hit some of the bars across the border. We come to the parking lot, and I realized I was out of cigarettes. So I went back in the dorm and went to the cigarette machine. I can still remember it was 25 cents for a pack of Luckies. I got my luckies and turned around and saw the captain of the football team sitting at a table. And he spoke to me and to my roommate and invited us to come over and chat, and we did. This is the first person I ever met in my life that talked about Christ as a reality. I'd never heard anything like it. I was just absorbed. I sat there for two to three hours and he was talking. He didn't give a traditional evangelism talk to me... He just kept talking to me about the wisdom of the Word of God. And he opened his Bible to a verse. And R.C. says, I think I'm the only person in the history of Christendom that was ever converted by this verse. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 3. And you're like, what was that? If a tree falls, whether it falls to the north or to the south, wherever it falls, it shall lie. That changed his life. He wrote books and books and books and books and articles and articles and articles and books. And he taught at um, religious institutions. And he said, that verse changed my life. Because the captain of the football team said, let me read you this verse. He said, "I, I was that tree that was rotting and dying. And because of... An upperclassman, the captain of the football team, said, Hey, because someone said, let me speak, wasn't anything awesome? It wasn't anything you have to memorize because there's power in God's words. But he spoke in the same way that God wants to empower each of us, in the same way that God wants to speak through each of us. How can people call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? So this showed up on my Twitter feed yesterday. Maybe you've heard of Pastor Jim Cimbala. Cimbala. He said, believer in Christ, tell someone today. I was in the darkness and now I'm in the light. I used to live one way and now I live this way. I used to be worried about the future and afraid of death, but now I have joy and peace. Always remember, you have a testimony. Listen, folks, you don't have to memorize a whole lot of Scripture. Don't really have to memorize any Scripture. You just have to open yourself up and say, God, would you give me opportunities, and would you use my voice, because I know you'll give me the words say. Gifted a study of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will call you, the Holy Spirit will send you, and the Holy Spirit will empower you and give you the words to say. Let's pray.